0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Daniel Snyder here from Seeking Alpha. We have a legend of the industry, Brad Thomas, the investing group leader of iRead on Alpha here on Seeking Alpha. And you have 10 analysts with you. It's a true powerhouse of a service, which we'll talk about later. Also, Brad has been a part of writing for Seeking Alpha for over a decade. I'm pretty sure he is our most followed author on the site. I think it's up to around 113,000 followers. Brad, how are you doing today? Excited to, uh, to be with you today. Pulling these recent numbers from Civilis World Research, which I know you like to quote as well. So $228 trillion worth of real estate, that's worldwide, right? And then you broke it down $169 trillion in residential, $35 trillion in commercial. Real estate has such ability to help bring people into this new category of wealth.
1: REITs were formed for the individual investor to obtain access to institutionally held quality properties. Um, and so that's why REITs were formed in 1960. They've come a long way. There's been a tremendous evolution of the REIT structure over the years, but these key elements are still in place. and I want to touch on just four of those real quickly. First of all, REITs have to distribute 90% of taxable income. Again, that is just a key key point to remember. that's why REITs have are higher yielding than most of the other alternatives we see out there, certainly C corporations and even the other, other uh, alternatives you see in the uh, in your asset mix. Uh, secondly, REITs must have at least 75% of assets in real estate, loans, or other REITs. And so that's a really important part. They've got to have, they've got to hold at least 75% in real estate. And next point is REITs must derive at least 75% of their income, their rents in real estate. Last but not least, uh, REITs must have at least 100 shareholders with less than 50% of the outstanding shares concentrated, concentration. So those are the key points. So if you look at REITs over longer periods of time, back to 1991, REITs have actually outperformed stocks and bonds. So office down 17% year to date. Again, that's just through the end of September. Sectors yielding about 6.3% offices today. Net lease sector down 17%, almost as bad as office. And then let's move over to infrastructure, which primarily we're talking about cell towers and fiber. American Tower, Crown Castle, SBAC Communications, sectors down 25% year to date. And that does not include, by the way, the sell off of Crown Castle we have with their third quarter earnings. We'll touch on that in just a minute. The highlight there is data centers. Of course, we've been following data centers for a while. Full disclosure, I do own Digital Realty. I do own um, Iron Mountain. Uh, I think I've got a few shares in Equinix. I'll go ahead and point that out. But data centers have done really well. That's obviously powered by artificial intelligence. AI has been a tremendous catalyst within the data center sector, which we knew it would be. And we'll get more to the data center space in just a minute. All right, now let's move on to perhaps the most popular quote we're seeing today on Seeking Alpha. uh, Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. I've got another uh, quote I wanna mention, I pointed out here, Seth Klarman, who probably everybody knows, runs a pretty big hedge fund. He talks about the margin of safety. A margin of safety is achieved when securities are purchased at prices sufficiently below underlying value to allow for human error, bad luck, or extreme volatility in a complex, unpredictable, and rapidly changing world. That's the world we're living in right now. Wake up and read the paper, Wall Street Journal. You might see Lauren Thomas, by the way, uh, or go to CNBC or go to any other media source, including Seeking Alpha, and you're going to see all of this this fear baked in the market. And obviously REITs have been impacted by by that today. Now, I'm going to tell you today why you should own REITs. Um, and again, I'm, I want to be clear. I've pointed out why not to own REITs, and I've pointed out what REITs not to buy. And, and I'm not batting. You know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have the best batting record out there. But I think we've been able to avoid many, many of these so-called sucker yields, which we'll talk uh, talk about in just a minute. Now, there's really three reasons why we think the REITs uh, should be purchased today or considered today. Number one, there it's attractive fundamentals. Look. First quarter, same-store NOI growth, 7.2%. This is all equity rates. Second quarter, same-store NOI, 5%. Now, we just went through, just started, launched, I guess, the third quarter earnings. And by the way, the average same-store growth is 2% since the year 2000. So that shows me fundamentals on really sound footing. Let's talk about Perlogis. Perlogis just announced early third, their third quarter earnings. And 97.5 percent occupancy, 77 percent retention, development pipeline from three billion to 3.5 billion. Fundamentals are strong, at least in the industrial sector. Let's move on to the cash flow growth for REITs. Cohen and Steers also has some great research, uh, which you can you can uh, obtain on their website. Cash flow growth for REITs historically and is still relatively strong. 2023, 2024. Uh, REITs are projected to grow by 3.2%, 3.5%. Uh, that's actually fairly strong. And again, even though it's not, we're moving down to a, a more modest growth level, I think we're going to see continue to see the strength of these higher quality companies that we're recommending right now. If we go on to look at REITs and how they perform in, in, a, in a recessionary environment, based on historical terms, REITs have delivered uh, returns of more than 10% in the US and 14% for Europe which means the best entry point for REITs have come in the early cycle. Now, at the end of a rate cycle, it's typically a very good time for for REITs because they have historically produced returns of 15%. Historical evidence, again, we're looking at current fundamentals as they exist today, as well as historical and how REITs perform coming out of these cycles. Again, I think a big part of this, and I know a lot of you have commented and asked me questions about cost of capital and interest rates. And all of that is certainly relevant and tied in. And that's why the growth that we're seeing today is not 5, 6, 7%. Uh, we're seeing more in, like I said, 3.2 to 3.5%. Now, what we're really focused on, keenly focused on, is earnings. Earnings is really the best predictor. And I've got this other quote. Many of you know Chuck Carnaval. Chuck is a very good friend. Uh, he also has a service called FastGraphs. Chuck taught me this about 10 years ago when I just started writing on Seeking Alpha. Number one quote, emotions determine market price in the short run. The next quote, Chuck tells me, is earnings determine market price in the long run. One more time, earnings determine market price in the long run. We are laser focused on earnings. Right now, REITs have sold off massively. What we're really looking for are those companies that have historically been able to generate uh, growing earnings and dividends that are doing it right now and they will be in the future. And that's important when we look at their cost of capital and their ability to transact and what are those cap rates and what is their cost of capital. So Mid-America, I'm gonna touch on our favorite apartment REIT today, my favorite apartment REIT, Uh, may not be yours, may not be yours, Mid-America, Mid-America headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, They own 10 properties here in my metro area, Greenville Spartanburg Market, Uh, terrific management team, a lot of experience, um, fortress balance sheet. When I say fortress, I know that term's mis, overused or misused. But look, A-minus rated balance sheet. That's a fortress balance sheet. The company worked really hard to get that get that cost of capital down, and that A-minus rating validates that point. In fact, if you look at the company, you can see historically they've been able to grow earnings every single year. And when I say earnings, I'm using adjusted funds from operations. So very, very stable, very predictable. Again, going to Chuck Carnival again, earnings determine market price in the long run. This company right now, analysts are forecasting growth of 5%, 2%, and 7%. That's 23, 24, 25. So we definitely see earnings continuing to grow. Dividend will continue to grow. Let's go to my favorite cell tower read. Again, I mentioned there are three, American Tower, which by the way, I know it's confusing. American Tower invests in America and outside of America and Crown Castle only invests in America. And then there's the third player, CBAC. Now we just wrote a deep dive on Seeking Alpha on Crown Castle and American Tower, mostly focused on Crown Castle because their earnings just came out. They actually did perform well. And we actually said the earnings were not gonna perform well. We were projecting modest earnings for the company, in fact, negative earnings, which is in fact what they are, what analysts are forecasting for, for Crown Castle negative earnings. I like the company, it's a deep value play. But I like American Tower better because you also you get deep value. Plus, you get a very high quality company with, again, much better earnings profile than you get with Crown Castle. The other thing I get with American Tower is data centers. I don't get that with Crown Castle. So you can take your pick. American Tower doesn't pay as high of a dividend, doesn't have a high of yield, but the payout ratio is much lower. Crown Castle's payout ratio is elevating. It's moving up. It'll probably hit 90 percent next year if analysts are correct with their forecast. So I like American Towers a much safer bet with a much better earnings profile and very, very good management team. Crown Castle does as well. Moving on to my favorite data center read. Now I wanna highlight this. I'm not gonna buy Digital Realty today. We've got Digital Realty a whole. We had Digital Realty as a buy when there was a short sale, a short attack, uh maybe actually there's been multiple. Uh we we navigated through all of that. We had buys and strong buys on digital realty. Today, we've got a hole. The company has actually moved into sound value. Obviously, artificial intelligence has been a catalyst for this sector and this particular REIT. I like this REIT the best. Again, let's go back to that earnings history. Very, very strong, stable earnings and dividend history. We think that will continue. We like the new management team. It's a younger management team and a younger board, which we think there's also shuffling is really good to have from time to time. And in, in the, within the board and the management team, triple B-rated company, trading at pretty much a sound value, fair value today. So wouldn't wouldn't go hand over fist with digital. We're definitely going to continue to own it. We think it's got more room to run. Analysts are forecasting six six percent growth in 24 and 25. All right, now let's move over to Prologis. Uh, Prologis, I mentioned earlier, don't need to go into that. They have really their earnings was really good. Again, they their same store numbers are excellent. Their occupancy is excellent. Development pipeline. A-rated balance sheet, so certainly can call that fortress. In terms of valuation, shares are trading at 22.2 times. Their normal valuation is 27.9. Now, I know you may be asking yourself, what about what about normal? What is the new normal? I Meaning, obviously, we've got higher rates right now. That's absolutely true. And again, the, the best indicator of that is earnings. Now, in the, in the year 2023, analysts are estimating negative one earnings or growth in 23. Same for 24. But here's the thing. When that development pipeline kicks out, hold on to your seatbelt. Growth for 25 is 20% growth. Analyst forecast. So again, deep value pick. We know it's going to take some time. And again, once rates pause, and this is the key word, I don't know when. I don't know when rates will pause. We'll probably have another one more rate increase. But at that point, I think we'll be moving into that pause category. And that's that's to me going to be the number one or the first uh, catalyst we see. That's really going to start moving. Share prices in a big way. I'm going to keep buying these companies as long as I can at these prices because eventually, I do believe this earn these earnings will continue to generate um, more more dividend growth
0: ahead for for uh, Prologis. People want to understand better why do you look at the AFFO numbers of the last ten years when the cost of capital was cheap from the interest rate rise? I, I think everybody's focused on that now. So going in into this new environment. Maybe you could share some of the ways that you're thinking about the new interest rate environment and the cost of capital for these companies.
1: Yeah. So again, I, I, this is a great topic, and I, I want to go back to you know my career as a developer. So when I built back in the you know 1990s and two, early 2000s, and I would go build an advanced auto parts store. Typically back then, I don't know what rates are. I mean, I remember I remember financing one of my first stores at about I think the interest rate was nine or 10 percent. And but I always look for that cost of capital. You know what is my what is the bank going to charge me? What is the equity? And by the way, I didn't put a lot of equity in the deal, so most of my cost of capital, is whatever the bank bank would uh would charge. But then you look at that going in cap rate or that yield on cost, and, and that's really critical. So whether you're buying, you know, a a, uh, a freestanding property, um, a apartment complex, or developing whatever whatever you're doing, it's it the name of the game is to we're in a it's a spread investing business. So you're absolutely right. The cost of capital is is elevated, and these cap rates are are now catching up to the cost of capital. So we've got to see that these companies are growing accretively. They're able to generate positive earnings uh, during this high interest rate environment, which we you know which which you point out, and many people point out these rates may continue for a while. You know nobody knows you know how long these rates are going to hold up. I mean if we obviously if a recession would would, would cause rates to come down, but we can't bet on a recession. If we'd have bet on a recession, look, we would have lost already because everybody was thinking, you know, recession was going to hit. And so I think we've got to look at it along those perspective of we look for those companies and try to stress test, Daniel, the companies that are able to generate earnings growth in, in utilizing their cost of capital they have right now. And what are their investment spread today and how are they going to be able to create, you know, create uh, earnings going forward? Again, that's where I think the the real key is. But in terms of valuation, using those valuation numbers, what I try to do, and I didn't have time to go through this, but I also look at what did what did the company trade at ten years ago. I mean, I don't I don't really believe in this. I mean, one one metric is let's look at their average or normal valuation, you know, over the last ten years. But then you've got to also factor out the the COVID environment because there was a lot of euphoria; people were ready to get out of the house. And get into real estate. So all of a sudden shares shot up in just about every read. That's why 2021, we saw, you know, what we saw what it was. So, what is the new norm? I think that is the key question. What is the new norm in valuation? And I wrote a recent article, uh, Daniel called The Answer is Eight. And what's really interesting about that article, I was actually alluding to an article that I read when I was in college, and it was written in 1970, and it was called The Answer is Nine. And it was written about a Harvard professor who was was um, was teaching class. And what he would do, he put up number nine on the screen before uh, on the chalkboard and all the, all the students were looking out and say, what does that mean? He said that is going to be the answer on your exam. That is the average cap rate for all property sectors um, back in that period of time. And, and I'm, the more I think about it, I'm thinking, well, we're probably getting ready to move. And to, back to that, you know, I need to write the answer is nine, not eight, not seven. So cap rates are definitely moving up. And I think now more important than ever, it's important to focus on quality management and quality balance sheets and quality real estate. Those companies can still navigate through this environment, whether it's another year, or two years, I don't care. We're laser focused on those balance sheets right now, because those balance sheets are going to be the key to unlock value. And we've got to make sure these companies are are able to continue to generate those positive investment spreads, even in this environment we're in today. And again, at the end of the day, this is just real estate. I really feel like from a valuation perspective, we're just not... Could it get cheaper? Yes, it could get cheaper, but at some point we're gonna have normalization within most of those sectors, Office is a totally different category. And we can save that one for another day.
0: Yeah, there's a lot still to unpack. And I just want to take a second real quick and encourage everybody, Brad is offering everybody for the basic service of iRead on Alpha right now. Price is $49. That's only through this next month. I think we agreed it'll run through Cyber Monday. So at the end of November, that is a limited time discount if you want to grab that as well as the full service is there as well if you want to get into that, which offers a whole different side of the platform where you're interacting with Brad and being able to ask questions in the analyst. I mean, every. Everything is just included a wealth of information. Go check out I read on Alpha, Brad Thomas. Thank you so much today. Anything else you want to say before we go?
1: No, just thank you again, Daniel. Thanks, Seeking Alpha. Again, it's a great platform, and um, you know, thirteen years. I'm looking forward to another thirteen years, God willing.
0: Just a reminder: anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app and we'll see you soon with a new episode.